0: Have ever been now to uh, Cambria Pines Lodge for the Christmas lights? Few, few in here? Well, that's been coming the last few years, more of our family tradition, and so uh, we ventured out Friday night with our little ones, and uh, this is my son Jeff in the lower corner with his daughter Serenity, and so we, we took these grandbabies. Here's the, uh, I'll call them the, here we go, the fervent foursome, we, we, we took with us. Now, that's Riley on the, on the left, and then Serenity on the, in the middle, and then Molly on the right, and that's baby Zach in the middle, and uh, they look really cute there in their Christmas pajamas, but you get them under that many lights, running around full of sugar on a night like that, and it's a little challenging to keep track of them. And then I bought them these little bracelets that light up and spin, too, so we could keep track of them as they're moving around and under the, you know, the markers and the borders and the boundaries. And uh, trying to, uh, you know, Serenity went in to see Santa. That was traumatic at first, so the picture of her smiling was after, like, terror for a few minutes. And, And as we're going on with these things and trying to keep track and just having a good night, there's... There's a turn where you cross from the main Cambria Pine Lodge across the street, and you go over to the nursery where there's some more lights. It's pitch black. There's a couple cars there. And so Riley on, or Molly on the right, who, one of her habits, she just screams and takes off running. Um, I, I'm trying to rein her in. And I got my hand on her little hand. And I'm walking her across this, this intersection, and I'm being super cautious, and she's still having fun and looking at her bracelet and pointing at lights and things. But I, I, I've got her in my grip, and I promise you, my grip on her hand is much firmer than her grip on my hand. And because I'm dad, I, I'm looking at big picture. I'm looking at goals, where we're headed. I'm looking at you know her best interest, other things that we haven't seen that I want to show her. I, I've got her full interest in mind, but I, I have a grip on her, and I'm not letting go. And the few, last few Sundays, we've been talking about this idea that we're, God wants us to be established, that He wants us established. Last week, we talked about established in thanksgiving. We, we've talked about the idea of being established in God's Word, being established in faith. Those important things that God doesn't want us to be shaken, He doesn't want us to be rocked. And we look at the political scene, and then you know, in the entertainment industry, and different things. It just seems like it's topsy turvy right now. Things are being exposed, foundational things being sorted out, examined, shaken. There's one thing as I was, you know, preparing and praying about this work is the this week about, about the idea that God, He's got us in His grip. And part of being established is the idea that the Lord has you. He's with you, that he's for you, that he's, he's more committed to you than we are to him most of the time. He's got us. Do you believe that? This is what Jesus said. He said, my sheep listen to my voice. This is in John 10. My sheep listen to my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they'll never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. Say no one. No one can snatch them away from me, for my Father has given them to me, and He is more powerful than anyone else. I love that in the Living Translation, New Living. He is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from my Father's hand. The Father and I are one. So I have Molly's hand on one side, but Jesus paints a picture there that the Father's got you on one hand, and He's got you on the other hand, and He's committed to you to seeing you through, to getting you from where we started with him to the final end and the final destination. Does anybody believe that this morning? You're a keeper. Tell your neighbor you're a keeper. And, and th- this, is, this is what can get in our minds sometimes. And talking to hundreds and hundreds of people throughout the years is, when I say you're a keeper, some people say, yeah, I kind of get that, but, yeah, but. I've been through a divorce. I, I, I've done some jail time. I, I've struggled with some addictions. Yeah, it, it's really cool here on a Sunday morning when we're singing and worshiping, but you, do, you don't really know me, where, where I struggled. You don't really know my history, my background. You don't still know that I got some secret stuff that I still struggle with. And, and, and if people knew that, to say I'm a keeper, I, I still feel like I'm being weighed in the balance. I still feel like I'm I'm being checked out and there's still a chance that God's gonna throw me overboard because I I don't have it all that together. I, I I don't have it all that consistent. I want to talk to you this morning, just not about God's keeping power, but his perfecting power in your life and my life. Is that okay? And we need to be established on those things, that when he began this work in us, he is taking us forward. He's moving us forward, and, and our foundation needs to be on that fact, is not just how good me I am or my performance, but how good he is. Psalm 121 says this, the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. I'll read that again. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. Now, this is one of the Psalms of Ascent, Psalm 120 to Psalm 135, and when they come into the Jerusalem for the feast days, as they're ascending the steps of the temple, they would stop, sometimes maybe blow a shofar, offer sacrifice, and somebody would read one of these psalms of ascent. In other words, these psalms are meant from going lower to higher, from coming into a place of maybe cleansing, into a place of face one-on-one with the King of Kings, the God of glory. And as they ascend, they would keep this in mind, God's my keeper. God's my keeper. For me to ascend, I have to have that same thinking. For me to grow deeper in a relationship with him and appreciation for him, I have to have the same mindset that God, in spite of how squirrely and goofy and things get for me sometimes, Lord, in your mind, I'm still a keeper. In your mind, you're committed to me. You're working with me and through me and for me, and, and that that mindset keeps me moving closer towards Him, moving in a direction direction forward in Him. Are you with me this morning, church? Are we okay? My sheep listen to my voice. I've shared this story numerous times, but this was years ago. I was still youth pastor, and we had a missionary in town, and Fred Lyle, and Fred needed to get back to the airport in Santa Barbara. And I was selling real estate and trying to Uh, take care of a young family and working at the church. And I felt like I was going 10 different directions all the time. And that morning, I really felt like I was supposed to bring Fred back to the Santa Barbara airport. So I run him down, drop him off. I'm hurrying back across Highway 154. And I just hear the Lord say, pull over there. And it's the overlook at 154, right overlooking the lake. And I just whipped by it, kept going, but I had such a strong urgency in my spirit that I needed to stop that I turned around and my first thinking, well, maybe somebody's in trouble, I don't know. So I pull in the parking lot and nobody's there. And I'm looking around just wondering what's up and I sat down on the block wall and I'm overlooking the lake like that and I heard God's voice so distinct. He says, why do you act like I don't love you? And my argument first, I argued with him, I don't act like that, I don't do that. I tried to argue with him. <laughs> yes, yes, you do. You live like you don't think I love you. And he went on just to explain in my heart about that, that ongoing, just like, I got to keep it all under control. I got to all, make all the decisions. And I'm not speaking against personal responsibility. But there's something when you're in the Lord, when you're established, when you have a foundation in him. Or you're saying, God, I, I'm, I'm, I'm doing my best to keep this thing together, that, that God just speaks. You can rest. I got you covered. You can rest. My grip's around you. You can rest. I, my hand is over your life. You can rest because I promised I'd order your steps. And to be established in that, that it's not all me trying always to keep it together, but it's me surrendering and trusting that the Lord can do it. The Lord can order my steps. The Lord can provide. The Lord wants to strengthen me. The Lord wants to give me his peace. There's exchange for my weakness, for his peace, for his strength. He wants us to be established in that. This is what God thinks out of Jeremiah 29. It's a familiar passage. But I love this because if you back it up, Jeremiah, Jeremiah is a lonely prophet. He was never allowed to marry or have children and when you read Lamentations and the things that are going on in the history of Israel, the history of Judah then, it, it's pretty bleak. They've turned to idolatry. They've turned their back on God. And you look in our culture, you say, well, it's not much different right now. No, it isn't. And God even told Jeremiah, my people, they're going to be taken into Babylonian captivity, but I still have a plan. And in the midst of that, Jeremiah begins to prophesy. And he says, thus says the Lord, when 70 years of exile have been completed for Babylon, this is Amplified Bible, I will visit, in other words, inspect you and keep my good promise to you, to bring you back to this place. Here's the familiar passage. For I know the plans and thoughts that I have for you, says the Lord, plans for peace and well-being, and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope, and then you'll call on me. And you will come and pray to me, and I'll hear your voice, and I'll listen to you. And then, with a deep longing, you'll seek me and require me as a vital necessity. Wow. That, that just screams to me of relationship, where God says, I'm going to visit you again, and there's going to be something that I work in your heart, that there's going to be a deep longing for you, and you're going to sense it for me and you're going to require me as vital necessity. In other words, you're going to come to a place where you say, I've tried to do it in my own strength, my own abilities, my own figure it out, and, and it just hasn't worked, and you're going to require of me. You're, you're going to require me as a vital necessity, and you'll find me when you search for me with all your heart, and I'll be found by you, says the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes. And I'll free you and gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I've driven you, says the Lord. And I'll bring you back to the place from where I sent you into exile. This thought that even though Israel turned their back on Him, even though Israel forsake, forsook God, with their own direction, he still has a plan. He still says, I'm calling you back. I still want to renew you. I want to restore your fortunes. I want to receive you back to myself. And when I think about a foundation to build on, the foundation that God does forgive, the foundation that God gives us fresh starts, that God gives us new beginnings, that God gives us a new future and a new hope, it's in his heart to do that. that that's a foundation we just sang about. I will build my, you know, my life upon you, my sure foundation. My, build my <laughs> life upon your love. And that same kind of thing he offers The children of Israel, the nation of Israel that ran from him, forsook him, denied him. He said, I still have plans for you. The the one word he says, and I want to keep my good promise to you. Now, when we're messing up, we kind of forget about the validity of God's promises. But God swears by his own name. He he keeps his word. He keeps his promises. Do you believe that, church? Amen. I know the plans that I have for you. When I think about this next generation coming up and my grandkids, just being around them and hear their talents and seeing their abilities, Riley, she's just turned five, and uh, she is super artistic. I see her draw, and when I see those things, I I see a future plan for her. She's also really active gymnastically. She was climbing up the front of my refrigerator just with the handles. Then she turned our front room into a, a little uh, parkour course, jumping from the recliner across the top. We were over at her house. Little Zach's trying to sleep, and she's tightrope walking around the edges of his crib. And I think if this goes bad, it's going to go really, really bad. And, uh, but the talents, the abilities that are in him at a young age, God sees those things in us. He says, I know the plans that I have for you. Can anybody in here just really trust that God's got a plan? Can, can anybody in here, even if you're in your senior years of life, you say, maybe my good years are behind me, my most productive years are behind me because I'm tired and I ache most mornings, and wherever you go in your mind, can you still say, God, you still have a good plan for my life. You, you still want me to impact people. You, you still have, have a desire to use me, God, and I'm not giving up on that plan because you're not giving up on that plan. That's the, I want to be established in that, that the Lord's at work. And the Lord doesn't quit working. He doesn't stop working. He, he's transforming us. He's changing us as we allow Him to do that. Do you believe that, church? Here's 2 Corinthians 1 it says this He, now He who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God, who also has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. He says, You're established in Christ. And he has anointed you, and not only just has he anointed you, but he's put his Holy Spirit in you, and his Holy Spirit is continually doing the work. His Holy Spirit reveals promises, and he he reveals plans for peace, not to keep us in drama and strife and stress. He wants to work his peace in us, to give us a future and a hope. And he said, I also want to restore that which you've lost. The scripture says that God is in the restoration business. And as we allow him to do that and we establish our life in that, we'll see change. We'll see growth. We'll see progress in him. Amen? This is what Oswald Chambers writes. And many of you uh, read from his devotional. Oswald Chambers says this. I am prepared to let God grip me by his power. Am I prepared to let God grip me by his power and do a work in me that is worthy of himself? Sanctification is not my idea of what I want God to do for me. Sanctification is God's idea of what he wants to do for me. And he has to get me into the attitude of mind and spirit where at any cost I'll let him sanctify me wholly. So this idea that God has got a plan for us and he's working a plan in us and through us and for us, Our responsibility in that is is surrender. Our our responsibility is to do what Jeremiah 29 says, to begin to seek him with our heart and say, God, what is your plan? What is your will? And, And to allow him to do the work in us and not resist or not reject or not push back, but just to allow him to work. And that's a sure foundation that I don't have to clean myself up. I'm a keeper, but a fish doesn't clean itself to make fillets. It's, it's the work of the uh, fishermen, so to speak. And Jesus, he's a fisher of men. He catches us. We're keepers. And he's taking us in a, in a place. He's taking us forward. Amen? And that's called sanctification. So here's a little quick theology. Justification is when we trust in Christ and we're justified. Just if I've never sinned before, the Lord forgives us. And that process of justification comes in one time when we accept Jesus as Lord, as our Savior, and the payment for our sins. His atonement covers us. We receive that, and we're justified. But that process of sanctification, you can see it on this little graph, is that green squiggly line ascending. That that process of sanctification is really a lifetime, lifelong process till Christ returns. It's the work of the Holy Spirit that's trying to conform us on the inside to his same fruit and character and nature. We aren't going to look like him on the outside, but on the inside, the Holy Spirit's trying to work in us the nature and the character of Christ, and that's throughout our Christian life. Amen? And then there's glorification, and that's what Scripture says. At the end time, we get glorified bodies, and we're caught up in his glory, and, and forever we reign with him in his glory. And those three Christianese words, justification, sanctification, and glorification, is the process that the Holy Spirit works in us. And sanctification, some of you might know the meaning of it, sorry about the small print here, but sanctification means to be set apart or to be declared holy. It means to make legitimate or binding by a religious sanction, free from sin, to have purity worked in your own lives. Or caused to, to be seen morally right or acceptable. This, this working of sanctification is the, the Holy Spirit removing the old, pruning away the dead on the inside of us, that we might live alive to Christ, that we might be fully alive to Him and be used and in, 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 you know, set aside, so to speak, for His purposes and His plan in our life. Amen? So this process that He's got us on is the work of the Holy Spirit. We've got to trust He's doing the work. That first John He says, behold, behold, get a clue, get an idea what manner of love the Father has put upon us, bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. And therefore, the world does not know us because it didn't know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when He's revealed, we shall be like Him. That's the process of sanctification the Holy Spirit's working in us We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself, just as he is pure. The Christian life's always kind of living in that tension of what's God's part and what's my part. Scripture says here that our part's really beholding him. When, When we get to know him, when we enter into relationship with him, when we fall in love with him, and we keep that love alive in us, there's something He starts doing to make us look like Him, to make us love like Him, to make us forgive like Him, to make us keep a, keep a balance in our life, the, the, His grace in our life. And Scripture says because of this work of sanctification, when He appears, we're, we're going to be like Him. You say, how, do, how did you do that? A little at a time, day at a time, sometimes we back up, we, we go sideways, we go back to the world. and. You still feel that pull, you still feel that grip, you feel Him pulling us back into relationship, and then He continues to the work on us and the process in us to make us like Him, to love like Him, to, to, to move like Him, to hear like Him. He, he's working that in us, and you got to believe that, amen? amen? Philippians 2 says this, Therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, here's that tension again. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So it's in you're working it out. God starts to show you something and starts, you know, the Holy Spirit's convictor. He reveals something to us, and we start giving to God, and and we say, Lord, you know, I feel like this has been heavy, that you're doing something here, that you're showing me something here. I don't want to be resistant. Show me the truth about this, what I'm believing, or the set of friends, or this relationship. Lord, reveal the truth. And so he says, work out your own salvation. Those things are bringing issues before the Lord, bringing concerns before the Lord, bringing our past before the Lord, bringing the wound of the past before the Lord. He said, work that out with fear and trembling for what it is God who has works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure.